Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cello Toys podcast on Grapple Arcade. I am Pablo, and with me is a special guest before we get into the main subject of today's show. I have with me the designer of the Wrestling Megastars line, making his return to the Cello Toys podcast. You were on a very early episode with uh, Mark Fox, um, who passed the reins on to me, and I'm very honoured about that. I have with me the one and only Tippy. How are you doing? Hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back on the show. Oh, well, I mean, thank you for providing me content to be able to make a podcast for Jella. Um, yeah, you're, that's what you're, it's all about. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, um, yeah, the uh, the main... Uh, point of uh, today's show is uh, the fact that uh, Chella are launching or have announced their launch of the British Wrestling Icons line. Now, just those three words together, it just like in my heart and soul, it just makes me all warm and fuzzy because the possibilities <laughs> and you've already uh, on Instagram started asking people, you know, who would you like to see in the line and some of the names that have been brought up. Oh, yeah. Not one bad name, in my opinion. Um, no. To be fair, I think there's been about 10 or 12 different, you know, opinions by people and they've all been very good ones. Um, there's obviously stuff that I know, but that I can't <laughs> say, if you know what I mean. So I need to be very careful what, what I give away, but well, hopefully nothing. But yeah. no, it's, it's exciting. So it is. It's exciting for me. And I'm just having a bit of fun on Instagram, do you know what I mean? Sort of getting, you know, getting the hype up there with people because I'm hyped up myself. <laughs> well, it's what it should be about, creating excitement and speculation. And now I did oh, yeah. see that one person did uh, guess Adrian Street. And uh, ding, 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 if you guessed Adrian Street, you are correct. Uh, the first name to be launched with the uh, British Wrestling Icons line is the one and only Adrian Street. The The thumbnail of your incredible artwork is the thumbnail for, for the show and is all over Instagram and uh, Facebook and Twitter now on the Chella uh, socials and on your socials as well. And uh, we're going to be very much getting into Adrian Street in a second and talking about the work that you put into uh, the figure that is to come. Uh, just a little bit of news. It's been a bit... Uh, Chella at the moment, the announcements and the news is just non-stop at the moment, which is amazing. Um, over the past week, the Bone Crushing Wrestlers line, uh, we finally saw the first on-card figure and it's of the Blue Meanie. And they've, they really went with that series one to three, uh, you know, uh, packaging design that was used previously. It takes all of the nostalgic boxes for me, and it's been nothing but uh, positive feedback, especially since the you know uh, Jack and Chella listened to the fans and changed the color of the uh, the t- the t shirt that Meanie wears, and you know the a statement was also put out about the Brian Clark figure that the legs are now going to be more inward facing. So when they kick, they're not doing like a basically like a super uh-huh. kick by accident. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, and it, they look incredible, and those will be available through yeah. uh, figure figure collections dot com. Uh, Pre orders are imminent for those. Uh, and on your end of things, uh, the one of the big announcements. I mean, God, the the we talked about this on the previous show, but the the rock and roll style Greg the Hammer Valentine is. Uh, Talk about taking some boxes and filling in some gaps. That looks incredible. Uh, and we'll definitely be getting more into that with you on a, on a future episode. But uh, even more recent than that, uh, the announcement of the British Bulldog, which is uh, 
mind blowing. Uh, there's gonna there are currently free uh, attire choices up for grabs uh, to vote for, which the voting hasn't started yet. But those free attires are basically WCW '93, which has a place in my heart because he wore that on the UK tour of '94 when I saw McGates at the Leisure Centre, um, and I have a big poster of that uh, upstairs as well. Uh, Heart Foundation '97 with the jacket. I've got to say the WCW '93 will also come with soft goods cape as well. And if you've seen the Dynamite Kid figure, you know the quality that goes into those things. Um, and the third one is Allied Powers, which is uh, an attire which has never been made before as well. So we are spoiled for choice, and uh, I'm sure voting will be very, very fierce on those. So what was the thinking behind going with those three attires? Because, uh, I mean, Bulldog's renowned for so many different wrestling gears. Yeah, um, it was basically just kind of like a brainstorm between Charles and Sid <coughs> that had got the name Bulldog and they were going to roll with it. Um, and he was coming off with certain names and then I was coming out certain looks, you know, from eight different years. And then we kind of decided, well, or he, he kind of decided, he says, why not do, because I think we'd narrowed down to three. He says, well, why not do all three? And in the back of my head, I was kind of half thinking, Oh, these take ages, you know. I don't really want to be doing three if we're only going to be making one. Uh. Um, but I thought to myself, right, well, fair enough. So there was still no hard decision, you know, which one to rule with. And that's what he decided, you know. That's one thing I've noticed about Cello they're very good with. They're very good at kind of asking the public's opinion on things. It's not just like a company, but they'll just be like, right, this is what we're doing and they're going to like it or not. But he sort of turned around and said, you know, if you're a bigger fan of, you know, the 93 area or early attitude era or allied new generation, I suppose that would fall into, um, you can choose, which is pretty cool. I kind of I kind of like all of them, but just because I am of that age as well, I kind of prefer the 93. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. that was like the height of my fandom. I would have been 11, 12 years old and... <laughs> I, I, you know, things were just buzzing for me at that time, so I would edge towards that one. But then you might find somebody who's a little bit younger would lean towards one of the other two, you know. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see how the voting turns out. Um, and having Georgia on board as well with such a strong social media following at the moment, which has just grown hugely over the past couple of years, and being able to have mm-hmm. an official British Bulldog account, um. Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. And something that I just, it didn't even occur to me that something like that could be possible if someone's under a legend contract. But obviously, I guess if someone owns the estate or whatever, without getting too deeply into it, then I guess like the Andre uh, estate and others, uh, we, you know, you can see them working with different companies, making different styles of figures. Uh, yeah. Which, you know. You need to be careful as well, but because as you say, there is, you know, the way certain licenses work, you can, you know, WWE could be bringing out a Legends figure and Chella could be bringing out a Retro style figure. But there is certain ones where you can't. And I know I've floated a few ideas of ones that I've wanted. Um, there's one in particular, which I'll, I'll not mention yet because I've done the design for it and I was really pushing for it. But I think legally we can't make it. <laughs> um, but it's one that I'm kind of hoping maybe in the future they'll be able to work something out do you know what i mean so is it kind is it a real education for you to 
looking like to now learn about all this legal side of contracts and stuff like that? Is that something that uh, you were aware of beforehand? Like it is and it isn't. I don't. I don't deal with any of that side of things. I have I've spoke to Charles about it, kind of, you know, not in depth. So I kind of know that you basically just have to have a, an agreement drawn up between the person, whoever the wrestler is, and the company. Mm. And that's and that's basically it. You know what I mean? Um, but well, I, I I don't really. I'm just the art guy. I just do the. Pretty drawings. <laughs> Just the art guy. You are making dreams come true, sir. That's what you're doing. Uh, um, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, can you confirm? Because obviously, Dynamite and uh, Haystacks and um, and Big Daddy, who are currently back up for pre-order, like Dynamite's back up for pre-order for another little run, um, yep. and the blue uh, Haystacks is—I mean, the brown one's gone. Uh, the Wembley variant. Um, I think that won't be happening again. Uh, but the blue one is going to be readily available, as is the as is the Big Daddy. Uh, they're a part of the Wrestling Megastars line, but obviously they are British wrestling icons. So, will the do you know at the moment if the upcoming Bulldog figures will be part of the Wrestling Megastars or British wrestling icons, or is that something that you're not able to confirm at this point? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. Um... Mm-hmm. I can't confirm that. I don't know what they have plans, you know, what line to put them in. Um, but if it's a British Bulldog, I would assume, because he's such a big character, he would probably go into Series 3, you know. Yeah. And maybe they would have, if it was going to go into the British one, maybe they would do a different one. I, I, but I don't know. It's just, it's just spec, speculation on my behalf. So it is. Well, speaking of uh, Wrestling Megastar Series 3, uh, on the on the Cello website at the moment, there is a, a fan poll uh, for what colour yeah. uh, backing card that uh, you would like. I mean, talk about involving the fans. Uh, the choices yeah. are purple, red, yellow, green, silver, and orange. A lot of those colours synonymous with that style of uh, figure from the past as well. Um, and it's going to be great no matter what colour... I have a feeling, I, I don't know, it's kind of hard to say. Like, I guess there's yeah. always a, people wanted orange card back in the day and maybe this might be a way to fulfill a lot of like dreams and uh, or a lot of wishes of things that didn't happen. I always loved the purple set back in the day. Um, and I always, and, and I yeah. love the color purple. You can see my room, half of it's purple, but also half of it is orange as well. So, you know, um, yeah. I think if I'm going to choose, I'm going to go with purple. Do you have any specific, like a favorite that you would like to see uh, with series three? Um, see, to be honest, there's like part of me doesn't want it to change because they've all been quite uniform you know, with black. I'm kind of thinking, keep them all like that. And, you know, it'll just keep them all kind of uniform. But then they brought out the, the standalone ones, the Joey, Joey Knight ones, and they were bright pink, and they actually look really good. You know, the, the nice bright, vibrant pink color. So if I was gonna go color, I would probably lean towards you know something bright, like a bright pink, green, purple, or orange seed, any of the above really, um, as long as it's bright because it kind of fits in with that sort of nineties vibe. You know, the nineties kind of had all those bright colors going on. Um, mm. So I think. I, w- I wouldn't lean towards one in particular, you know. Mm-hmm. A very, very diplomatic answer there. I'm, I'm yeah, try- I've been asked this. <laughs> if, if there was one, I would choose one, but I just can't think. Because um, ah. I've got, that's the, 
I've actually got them sitting down beside me. That's it is kind of like a pinky purple. It is, it yeah. It one. very much reminds me of that series from uh what 93, 94. Uh, yeah. And did he choose that colour box as well? Um, I don't know because I don't deal with the package and they have like a a graphic designer does all that sort of things, so they would have been dealing with him for the packaging. Um I just again just the art guy, just do the figures. <laughs> <laughs> Again, far you've been very modest. You're far more than just the art guy. Uh, the uh, the blueprints that have um, come out for all the figures so far, have, you know, have been incredible. And the figures that have been made as a result of those blueprints, you know, that you can the figures have lived up to the quality of the designs uh, that you have presented. Uh, you know, there's been no disappointments or anything like that. And you know, I love. Uh, the especially the cloth goods as well because i mean i've got i love yeah sequins on anything especially if it's like prismatic sequins where they reflect different colors that's one of the reasons why i'm, I'm so excited for the the big daddy uh that's coming yeah. out yes, um, yeah so with and we're going to be getting more into this on our next episode as well uh with uh, the adrian street figure um just to get into your mind a little bit, because um, obviously you're designing the attire choice and stuff like that. Do you yes. also design which action they're going to have as well? Because I know things have changed. Like, you know, after contacting Haku, he wanted to change in his figure. Um, yeah. Every choice I think he's I've... the only one, though. Okay. Like as every far as as every choice that you've made, though, as a Hasbro collector as well, it's been an educated choice. And I'm guessing you look at other... Uh, as you look at that line and look oh, yeah. at maybe a similar character and think what would work and stuff like that. So what was the uh, the thinking behind the Adrian Street figure once you knew that you were going to be making him? Um, well, the thinking behind the Chella basically, well, I would say probably 95% of them basically say, you crack on. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, always, you know, I'm always like, are you sure? Is there any chemist? And they're like, no. But we trust you because I think with the eldest that were very kind of specific, and there was actually there was another figure before Aldous, um, which didn't come to fruition, but they were very specific with that. And and then eventually they were just kind of like, right, you you kind of know what you're doing, you crack on, and it's always kind of worked out. So they kind of just lead me to it now, which I, in a way I kind of prefer because I would I have all my Hasbro's and I would sit. Like say Adrian Street's name come up, I I would look at them all and think, you know, uh, that kind of body shape, or maybe old Frankenstein together, this part with that part, and do you know what I mean? Just come up with it in my head, and then once you have it in your head, you're that's kind of half the battle. Then you just draw it on the iPad. Mm. But that's ba that's basically it. You just kind of for every figure because I've been well collecting Hasbro's and playing with Hasbro's from back in the day and then being into customising them and then I like to do different artwork with them and that's came to designing the cellos which are very much you know like a follow-on from Hasbro's so without being conscious of it you do have quite a big knowledge of that figure if that makes sense yeah um, so yeah that's basically how it comes about and I'm guessing as well, like based on the outfits that we've seen uh, for yep. 
like pretty much everyone that's come out, you're, I'm guess, going for their most recognizable, uh, iconic look because it's going to appeal to the wider, you know, the widest possible audience. Is that kind of the thinking? Because when I think Adrian Street, I do think the polka dots, uh, I think the yeah. uh, the cape that he holds with his hands, uh, all that kind of thing. And even the pose, like, again, the pose is just brilliant. Like, such a good idea for, for Adrian. That's it. He was kind of, you know, like a show-off, basically. That was his arrogant kind of personality coming out in his character. So it was like, it made sense to have him throwing the guns up. And he was, like a lot of wrestlers back in the, those days, weren't, you know, as chiseled, as, you know, well-built. He was quite well-built, especially for back in the day, you know, before probably the anabolic steroids kicked in. Yeah. Um, so he, so there was that element which was thrown in. Um, but as far as the attire goes, I think I had actually a different attire in mind. And there was, I was finding it hard to get good clear pictures of his tattoos. So all of a sudden, Charles sent me pictures of his tattoos that he had taken, you know, quite clear ones. But also he'd sent them about 20 different photographs, you know, like personal ones, all right. of these. And that's when I was like, oh, here, wait a minute. This is the wrong one. I need to go with this one. Um, it was one that he liked, you know, the polka dot, and one that he'd sent me about three or four different poses for, and I was like, you know, that's far better, but we'll roll with that instead. Um, so that's how that came about. And it, it's, it is, it's more recognisable as well. It does make more sense, but not, I wouldn't say that's true for every figure, you know. There's maybe some that, there's one um, which I just actually finished today, um, so they'll probably not be hearing about it for a while. But it was his his most recognisable attire wasn't chosen, you know, chosen something earlier, just because a lot of the time I just kind of do what I would like. I know that's quite selfish, but you kind of think... <laughs> a, no, I, I don't blame you at all. <laughs> yeah, I would love to have this in the shelf, so I'm going to roll with this. And, and if it gets the okay, happy days. And if it doesn't, yeah, I'll change it. <laughs> with... with um... With the wrestling megastars line, then uh, are you told whether that person can have an accessory or not? Because not everyone has an accessory. Uh, you know, it, it, let's say with Haku, um, yeah. like you, you had to make King Haku because normal Haku didn't really have a, a entrance gear, so it made sense to give him the the crown. Um, yeah. So, it, it, yeah, what is the... It, it, I'm guessing there's a budget, without getting too deeply into it, because I don't want Charles having a, <laughs> having a heart attack, but um, in terms of... I'm guessing there are certain budgetary considerations, I guess. But with an Adrian Street figure, you have to kind of go all out with that. Yeah, I think with any figure, if, a, if they do have an accessory that you can, you know, if there's something, whether it be a cape or a weapon or whatever it may be, it's good to have that in because I know if I'm looking at a figure, if you see two figures and one of them has a weapon and one of them doesn't, you maybe lean towards it's just that added little detail, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm sure it does cost more. And I I always run it. And it's maybe a wee bit cheeky on my behalf, because a lot of the figures I would kind of throw it in there and say, uh -huh. add XYZ, whatever it may be. And I think more often than not, Charles is kind of like, yeah, well, that's a good idea, we'll roll with that. I can't actually remember any where they said no. But uh, as I say, it's just something extra they add to it. But the, the very considered decisions and also iconic 
accessories or pieces of entrance gear. And I think Chella are great with that across the board. I mean, look at the Sonny Ono figure that's coming out. He's going to have his camera, which is amazing. Um, Yeah, so with the Adrian Street uh, figure, I mean, people... it's wonderful that like the, the British Russian icons line and uh, the fact that Chella are choosing to delve into British history a bit more, uh, you know, because yeah. the footage, a lot of the footage isn't readily available in certain cases. There's the world of sport DVDs that came out. Um, but the, the, you know, it's, I think if it was me, I would have dynamite on ITV followed by an episode of world of sport. Um just to really expose uh, a lot of these names, you know, and certain companies are good at referencing all the names and stuff like that. But I feel that, you know, there's, there could always be more out there. And this is why, you know, after, after we've chatted, uh, the Joanne Randall's interview, uh, which I conducted a little while ago about her documentary, uh, which is called, you may be pretty, but I am beautiful. The Adrian street story, which is available on Amazon. It may not have been available at the time of the interview, but is now, and it's wonderful. Um, you realize what, uh, not just on wrestling culture, you know, he was influential to people like Mick Foley, uh, when he went to the States, you know, Jim Cornette managed him, and, uh, you know, he had a, a, a very noticeable, you know, role and he was well used when he was in america after being just a huge huge megastar in the uk again not just having a an impact on wrestling culture but on pop culture as well because you know even uh david bowie has been on record to say that he was an influence on the ziggy stardust character and everything so um yeah it, it can't be understated um not just what an impact he had, but also what Adrian Street, uh, the character and the man kind of stood for in terms of being this defiant rebel, um, almost quite punky in his way because, you know, he went against, you know, his dad's uh, wishes and uh, just completely glammed it up and camped it up and did everything to offend and shock and uh, be outrageous. Because that's the thing. Adrian Street is outrageous now. Imagine in like the mid seventies, <laughs> especially in a wrestling ring as well, when wrestling was quite straight laced as a whole. Uh, just an absolute heat magnet, like you know, big time. It'd be interesting to hear from him to see, you know, because that was back in the days when the fans would have attacked you. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> to see, you know, if he had any injuries from fans just trying to make it into the ring. Just from the way he looked, because as you say, back in the old days, that was it was kind of almost frowned upon. You know what I mean? Where yeah. Nowadays, nobody bats an eyelid, but back then it was kind of not the most popular thing in the world. You know what I mean? But, but the thing is, very misleading guy as well, because you may start a fight with him, but I don't think you'd be walking out of that fight. Um, no, exactly. Yeah, very tough man, and he's in his eighties now. But if you see recent pictures of him, he still work. Oh, he yeah. looks better than I ever will, and I'm thirty five. <laughs> I know he still. I seen him on. I think it was one of the WWE documentaries, and he was at the one of the training camps, and he was just he he was an old man, but he was still, you know, cut. He was still built like a brick shed house, you know. <laughs> so I'm sure not too many people mess with him. Yeah, we go into that a little on the interview as well because once WWE uh, um, got got wind that there was an independent uh, Adrian, like fully endorsed Adrian Street documentary coming out, uh, but independently yeah. made, WWE kind of like 
got in there beforehand and were a little underhanded in getting one out. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to see if I can find, because I, I don't think I've seen the other one. I'm going to have to watch that, because it'll be very interesting. Oh, it's available on Amazon, and like I say, it's a, you know, uh, from the start to current day. And, and the thing is, because Adrian Street has, I'm guessing, the rights to all of his music, his yeah. albums uh, create the soundtrack uh, to... Uh-huh. Uh, to the documentary as well. It's really, really well done. And I think, unfortunately, probably flew under the radar a little bit because it was so independently made. Um, right, yes. And didn't really get the plugs that I think that it deserved. So hopefully the fact that this new figure is coming out, hopefully this podcast will help. Um, but it's it's definitely worth seeing. And I, I, I just can't wait for this Adrian Street uh, figure to come out. And if this is the way to launch a line, I, I just can't wait to see what other names are planned for the uh, the British wrestling icons. Like, Because that's the thing. When I know there's a new line and you kind yes. of know what the parameters are, you know, like with the, the Bone Crushing Wrestlers, you know it's going to be someone from 95 to about 1999 from any company. Your imagination can run wild, and one thing Chella, yeah, one thing Chella has shown is that you know if it's possible, then it's possible. You know, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, very very exciting stuff. It is very exciting, as you say. There's just so many names that they would throw in the imagine, and you'd just be like, "How the hell did you get that?" Or where'd that come from? You know, a bit of a curveball kind of thing, but always in always in a positive way. Um, Without giving away names, have there been any that you've just truly marked out over and just couldn't believe it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, there's a few names which will be coming up very soon. Um, that that was a big shock. And then there was, like I just, it happens all the time, to be honest. There was one massive name that, that I got told about there a few weeks ago, just. And again, I was just like, how does that? How does this happen? You know, I don't. As I say, I'm getting an education that little bit. I don't know how they're figuring out these deals, but they are. And the the more they do, the better it is. You know what I mean? Because it just means there's going to be more of like the Hasbro retro style figures that I love coming out. As you know, obviously the cellos, the cello figures. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're doing, and I know this is the Cello Toys podcast, and this sounds like I'm just ass kissing, but like I love the work that Cello is putting out there as an entire team. And uh, I always say it's an honor to be doing this podcast for uh, for Cello. So you can find uh, all the Bone Crush and Wrestlers uh, news uh, either on Cello or on figurecollections.com, and you can find figure collections on Instagram. Uh, they're all over social media basically uh, obviously cellotoys.net for all of the news on uh, the British Wrestling Icons line, the Wrestling Megastars line uh, more information to come uh, very soon on uh, on those and uh, yeah where can people find you because uh, you also show your artwork on your page as well and uh, you're very interactive with uh, your social media as well so where can people find you um, I use all like Facebook, Twitter, all the rest of it. Probably use Instagram the most. Um, my Instagram name is just tippies under slash shiz. Um, just go on that, just share, like, obviously, share the channel stuff and then any other kind of creative ideas that float my boat and just have a bit of fun, really. You know what I mean? It's just something to after a hard day's work, fart about on there for a while and then, yeah, and you and you. 
would you say that you're open to feedback from the fans personally as well and uh, suggestions oh, yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, I think it was actually the the Haku crown because when we had first released the, the action that wasn't going to get used, you know, the one that he didn't like, the clothesline. Yeah. Um, everybody was loving it, but there was a couple of people had said, you know, if you're doing the King Haku uh, attire, you should you should have a crown. That would be the icing on the cake. And I was kind of like, you know, what? they're right. So that was a case where I went back to Charles and say, like, any chance we could do a crown. And Charles being Charles, he's he's wanting to have the best figure available. So he was like, yeah, let's let's go for it. And what so, I, what I love about the Haku uh, before we wrap up. This particular Haku is the first to come with a crown that was specifically made for Haku, so it will fit his head. Yeah, <laughs> and like you know, uh, other Hakus that have come out there. And the joke is as well: the very first Haku was going to be King Haku, and then they changed it to Islanders Haku. And on the uh, on the small print, it says "May not come with crown as illustrated," and it did not come with crown <laughs> as illustrated. So uh, yeah, yeah, this is going to be. Give a yeah, this is going to be the definitive uh, Haku figure, and uh, oh, definitely, yeah. But that's that's another thing as well. Like Cello, they're like a relatively small company compared to obviously the likes of the, the big names that are out there. Yeah, and they're kind of going above and beyond. Whereas a big company might kind of look and say, "Well, here, you know, this is eating into our profit. We can't have a a crying or whatever it may be." They're all for it because it's more. Like, obviously, I hope they're still making a profit, but it's more about bringing out the best uh, figure available for the fans, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because um, it's kind of, like, as I said, it's a small company. It's run by the fans. Everybody involved, like yourself included, uh, everybody's just a fan, you know? We're all just kind of making it happen. Oh, it's it's uh, an amazing thing. And uh, before we get into the interview with Joanne Randalls about the uh, You May Be Pretty But I Am Beautiful, the Adrian Street story, which is available on Amazon, uh, I just want to thank you, uh, Tippy. And uh, next week, there will be another big announcement, uh, which will be on uh, Chella's socials, etc. So please keep an eye out for that. And uh, the, the interview that I will be conducting is for a name that has already been announced, uh, which is Gilbert, which uh, is mind-blowing. I mean, the video he made to announce the interview is just insane. I mean, I wish I had his lust for life at you know his age and after having a heart attack as well. He, I think, is more energy than I ever will. So, you know. <laughs> Something extra going on his cornflakes the morning that boy. So it is. <laughs> That's all good fun, but. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, it, it, if you did told me, you know, a few years ago, I'd be, get to interview Dwayne Gill uh, and talk about the whole Gilberg thing and talk about his new action figure, the Dwayne Gill action figure through wrestling, uh, the Bone Crushing Wrestlers line. Uh, you, you know, I would have called you a liar. So uh, on that note, um, thank you for tuning in and please enjoy this interview with Joanne Randalls and we will see you all next week. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. It, it's kind of a weird thing to be able to chat to uh, like a filmmaker, especially someone involved in wrestling who isn't American. So I really enjoy not having to do this at like three in the morning. Uh, which the is same like... year. <laughs> <laughs> How was that for you? Like, did you find yourself uh, working twenty four seven on this? Did you get much sleep? Uh, to be, 
to be honest with you, the nature of the business is very much like that anyway. Um, so I'm kind of used to it. So yeah, it's it's fine. Although there has been a few issues with time zones where people have wanted to interview me, say at like 12 o'clock, and obviously 12 o'clock UK time at lunch is very different to 12 o'clock in the US. So <laughs> yeah, no people. <laughs> People definitely don't realise that. Um, and, and But the thing is as well, though, the people that want to speak to you are like worldwide international celebrities. So you can't say no. <laughs> you just have to have a coffee and just, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, just before we went on air, because with someone like Adrian, who has such a rich uh, and long history as well, I, I, did, I just kind of assumed that you may have been older. You know, like I, I wasn't sure what kind of to expect when speaking to you, but you are like a, a young director who has recently kind of got into wrestling as well. So how yeah. did the, what is your background in uh, directing and producing? And also when did, uh, when did wrestling come into your life? Well, for starters, I've been involved in film and TV for a very, very, very long time, uh, pretty much almost half my life. Uh, so I started out as a, a 15-year-old on work placement, um, and I've kind of been hooked ever since with working in the film and TV industry. So, um, yeah, I've been a professional freelancer now for a good, oh gosh, about 12 years, um, working on various productions for network television as a self-shooting producer-director. Um I've worked in lighting and vision. Um, I also work as a professional photographer as well for some of the stuff that I do. Uh, so, yeah, I've, be, I've been involved in film, TV and the arts for a very, very long time. So um, this sort of thing is more of a, the next step, you could say, in my career as opposed to something that I'm completely new to. Uh, it wasn't something that I just sort of fell into university with and just popped out the other side wanting to have a career in film. So, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's been a sort of a lifelong um, passion of mine, you could say. Uh, and with regard to wrestling, yes, I'm very, very new to wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> very new to wrestling. Um, until I met Adrian, the only wrestling that I'd watched was with my brother. Um, and those were the days of, you know, The Undertaker and The Rock and all of that kind of thing. So um, my brother's six years younger than me. <laughs> so, yes, yes, uh, wrestling is, uh, as I say, very new to me. Um, but Adrian's story was just, it's just so captivating. It's a, it's a story more than wrestling. And I think that's kind of what drew me to him. Um, it was, it was more about his passion and belief for wanting to pursue his dreams and just, you know, completely going against the grain. And in that, I kind of thought, you know what, that there's just something here. There's something here. And it's not just about wrestling. It's, it, you know, anybody can relate to that. If anybody's ever had a dream or something that they've ever wanted in life, I think that they could relate to Adrian's story. And I think, as I say, that's that's kind of what initially drew me to him um, and made him so compelling more than anything else. There's definitely a, a beauty in those kind of uh, stories that have the ability to be able to inspire and motivate and, and can also potentially reach a wider audience as well. Because like you say, it's, it, I, I don't want to give away like too much about what the, you know, cause it's a film about his life. Uh, so yeah. th there's no spoilers as such, but it's like, <laughs> it's a very entertaining uh, story, but I don't want to like get into like the specifics of it as such, cause everyone needs to check it out. Cause it's, it really is wonderful. And like so well researched as well. Um, yeah. But the, um, some of my favorite, uh, say, books or documentaries that have come out about wrestling have 
there has for me i love it when there's a, a positive element to it because there are so many documentaries and books that have come out that have revolved around the more negative sides of wrestling and yeah. um, you get like a bit of take and i know that is a, an important part of it but um you know the thing that i took away from this is how proud he is uh, quite rightly of his career and yeah. how much more he meant to pop culture as well not just yeah. wrestling but also the fact that he was able to come out of wrestling healthy and happy and fulfilled as well yeah yeah and i think you know it's a testament to his career uh and to his personality he, he's you know i wanted to do something that really was coming from adrian directly i didn't want to sort of none of this nothing in this documentary has been me spinning anything it's been completely as i say adrian's word i wanted it to be him telling his story in the most candid way possible and to involve his friends, you know, family or the close ones who know him um, to be able to sort of share in that because there's just so many people who even I've met and I've had to kind of explain that no Adrian's story is true as unbelievable as it is <laughs> and as remarkable as it is and colorful and everything else. No, it's true. He, he paved the way for so much beyond um, you know, wrestling in terms of the entertainment industry, you know, he, he is a unique individual. And I think for me, um, he is almost a forgotten hero in that sense. And I think, you know, Adrian's turning 80 in. Wow. I, I, I didn't so, know, you know that. So wow. his, okay. his career and he's so, you know, as I say, he and Miss Linda are a force of nature in their own right. And I think that for me, it was quite important to get something out there now um, that really sort of brought back uh, his story, brought it back into the limelight again because he deserves it ultimately. And, and like I say, he's paved the way for so many people, uh, not just in the wrestling business. And I think that that's, as a filmmaker, it's really important to try and find these stories um, to bring them back to the forefront again for people to kind of watch and enjoy. And it's definitely something, as I say, I'm 32. I didn't know of Adrian Street before, you know, I randomly came across him. And I think that that's, you know, as, a, as, as I say, as a young person relating to the story, I think, you know, then it's relatable across the board, uh, not just for wrestlers, but for anybody that has a dream that just wants to go out there and do it, just, you know, it's one of those, really. I'd like to think that it's really uplifting and people can take away something from it that's just more than just Adrian's story. Um, yeah, it's a, it's one of those. It's been a pleasure to work on, <laughs> you could oh, say. I'm learning, I'm learning something new every day about Adrian. There was a lot that we, uh, <laughs> that we wanted to include in the documentary. Um, but as I say, Adrian's life, is, you know, his career has spanned so many years. Um, for me, it was more important to try and sort of condense down and get to the nooks and cranny of like, you know, what has made Adrian who he is as we know him today. Everybody knows the sort of the more modern day kind of stuff, but I sort of wanted to go back, take it right back to his beginnings and just sort of go from there just to that point where he made it into the States and what he's done. That that for me, that was kind of the most important part of um, putting together a film. So yeah, there's been a lot of cutting darlings you could say throughout <laughs> this process. <laughs> The thing is as well, with I mean, if you just look at Adrian's time with World of Sport, um, there are World of Sport documentaries that like BBC has shown. Um, there are DVDs of like Best of World of Sport, and Adrian seems to kind of been left off these for whatever reason, um, because you know the, it's they kind of make way for like the Big Daddies, the Rollerball Rockos, the Mick yeah. McManus, the ones that kind of I guess 
hit the mainstream more in the UK um, in terms of like, you know, because once, even when World Sport ended, you had your, your cat weasels, etc. showing up on game shows and stuff like yeah. that. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that Adrian was always, again, I don't know why, and there is a lot to cover, but Adrian was kind of left out of that. So for him to yeah. have his own documentary, which is like entirely well-deserved, um, you know, is is a great thing. And um, with when it comes to like sort of wanting to make a, a film about Adrian, yeah. how do you go into it? I mean, how like were you aware of the wealth of material that would be out there, the stories, and I mean, his albums, all that kind of thing, because they provide the perfect soundtrack to this film. Because of course, yeah. Because <laughs> the, the thing is, like with any kind of, I guess it's an it's an authorized film, but those films that aren't made by say WWE, etc. Um, you maybe have to rely on library music or um, on yeah. copyrighted music and stuff like that, but you have this wonderful soundtrack of these just yeah. crazy songs about, you know, that just yeah. accentuate Adrian's character. So w what did you know going into this in terms of what you could achieve? To be honest with you, for me, like, as I say, as a filmmaker, it's all about the story. Um, so if I come across something that I feel is um, compelling on so many levels, I'll, I'll dig and dig and dig to find as much as I can about the person, um, just to see whether it's viable, to see what's around, what is, you know, I mean, just to kind of give myself some more understanding before I jump into doing a project. And I think, you know, research is important for any anyone, whether it's a business that you're running or a film, it doesn't really matter. Research, research, research is kind of like, you know, the fundamental for anything. Um, and for me, I think that, um, Initially, when I came across Adrian, it was his image. Obviously, I think everybody can relate to seeing Adrian in his uh, flamboyant costumes and the fact that he was Welsh as well. I mean, you know, you see so many stories being made. And I think that, you know, for a guy that came out of this village in the valleys, you know, to be catapulted into this this world internationally as this flamboyant character, there was just something about it. And it was like, wow. You know, you're talking about someone from the 1950s going into the entertainment business from a coal mining family in the middle of nowhere that nobody would ever have known about. Um, his height went against him, everything you could possibly imagine. And yet, regardless of all of that, he pushed down all the barriers um, and anything that seemed conventional at the time and just, you know, just went off and did his own thing. And for me, as I say, when I was initially looking at him, that that was very very compelling um so from there then i reached out to adrian um i was fortunate to have like a, a well a very lengthy skype call with him when he was living in the states at the time and uh yeah it just kind of went from there it was a it was a lot of research as i say his story is uh he's got however many autobiographies now um yeah. i think he may be moving on to like maybe i don't know another five <laughs> <laughs> after this um but yeah so for me it's it's not just about to say reading the stories it's about speaking with him it's about you know looking at his pictures his personality what's he about what the era in which he was living you know at the time when he was younger and it, there's just a whole raft of different things that you've just got to pull together and see how you can take something and I think as I say for me as a filmmaker the, the research inside of it is so fundamental um because ultimately there's going to be guys out there who are avid wrestling fans or who are um, avid, I don't know, you know, glam rock fans and so on. So you want to get something right from the get-go, really. Um, 
so yeah it's uh it's one of those it's been how many years now about five years since i started speaking with adrian um so yeah so it's been a long time and the documentary was only ever meant to be um as i say it was only meant to reinforce the fact that adrian's story is true i want to get that across to as many people as possible this isn't the work of fiction this is fact you know none of this is made up um so for me that that was kind of as i say the fundamental for making the documentary because out of this ideally what i want to be working on next is the drama on adrian's life um so (laughs) it's important to kind of establish you know that his as i say his story is real um before people watch any kind of drama because often people will come to assumptions and they'll just be like oh no you've just written that up or that's been put into a script no 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 everything that we're doing is you know, we're working directly with Adrian and Linda across everything um, because ultimately it's their story at the end of the day. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so it's one of those research, research and research again. And as I say, I'm constantly learning stuff about Adrian every single day. Um, there's always something new. <laughs> um, When you first contacted Adrian, because, uh, I mean, it, you know, the fact that he has had several books out and stuff like that, was he immediately up for doing this and was there anything that he felt maybe was a bit too emotional to talk about because i mean it, it seems like he's a just a complete open book talking about the relationship with his dad which is something that mm-hmm. i like connect with and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. you know um was there any was there anything that kind of like was a i, I guess you can't tell me if there was a no-go subject but it was there anything that kind of made him feel a bit uncomfortable I, th- I think you know with any kind of story there's going to be things that you hold back and for me personally obviously you know that i want to only put out the you know how anything that's real about his life that adrian wants to speak about i'm i'll put out there if there's anything that adrian doesn't want out there i'll be more than happy to leave out because obviously sensitive subjects for anyone you know it's that's down to choice and i think with adrian what i have been very fortunate with is that he has been very open with me um as i say i've been speaking with adrian now for a number of years this isn't just a a documentary that we made overnight or within like a couple of weeks uh this is something as i say the documentary itself took three years in itself to make um so you know for me it's been really important to have adrian on board for him to watch it through to make sure that he's happy with everything um before we even had the first screening of the production we ensured that adrian watched it all the way through with linda um and that he signed it off and that he was happy with it um you know so the entire process has been more of a collaboration than just the case of me filming some interviews and having adrian sit down and you know that's it and i go off to the editing bay um so yeah, with regard to as I say the sensitive subjects and that, I've just been I've been very fortunate that Adrian's been able to speak with me about that. But like I say, that's I don't want to really dwell too much on those aspects. I think it's more about Adrian's um, as I say his drive to kind yeah. of move forward and pursue his dreams, which is kind of what I want audiences to take away from that um, from his early life, and just to show that it is possible no matter who you are. If you've got a dream and that you want to achieve it, you'll do anything, anything to get there. And it's not about how long it takes. Um, it's about, you know, just constantly going after it and just never giving up. Well, part of the beauty of the film as well is that it is, you know, the, the flaws are acknowledged. You know, the, the things that he's had to 
um, you know, fight through or the things that he yep. considers like imperfections in himself or whatever. You know, it it is kind of all out there, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and did Adrian uh, realize? I mean, I guess he knows the impact that he has had on uh, you know on pop culture and on wrestling as well. But did yeah. he? Was he? even surprised by his own standards when he saw people like Wade Barrett and Mick Foley, et cetera, saying such wonderful things about him when he watched the movie back. I, I think it was quite emotional for him yeah. um, because we're talking about a man who's lived a very full and colorful life, who's done extraordinary things um, within the entertainment business. And as I say, just not just wrestling, it's gone far beyond that. And I think for him to hear um from the voices of other people um not just you know well-known people but there's other people now even coming forward on social media and i think for him to be able to read these comments to hear it from as i say from other people it's it's been an emotional process in the sense that he's it's like an acknowledgement um and even today for people to be coming forward younger generations as well it just really shows the impact of you know what adrian did in the business yeah and it's and- uh, Sorry, go for it. No, no, go on. Oh, there was one uh, interview um, with, I believe it was one of the journalists who uh, you interviewed, um, talking about how if Adrian was in today's wrestling world, that the character would work because he would push the right buttons and people would would boo him, basically. But... (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm gay, and, you know, I'm a a wrestling fan, and... Mm -hmm. um, I've chatted with a lot of, uh, you know, LGBT wrestlers as well. And there yeah. seems to be a lot more acceptance of the more colourful, flamboyant characters who don't mind going, you know, in certain areas with their character. You know, if yeah. it is a little if it is a little homoerotic or whatever, you know, if it kind of works for the character, it's not just like, say, exploiting it or, you know, just to be controversial or whatever it kind of it actually helps the character and also yeah. it brings in a wider audience as well i mean have you um did adrian ever talk about any or has the film received feedback from you know members of the lgbtq community to be honest with you i've, I've had so much feedback the last few <laughs> days <laughs> I, I'm, okay. try, I, I'm trying i'm trying to scroll through it every day at the moment i don't think i've had uh, much rest to be honest because uh at the moment it seems to be by the hour we're getting something coming through <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm trying to be as engaged with the fans as i can um in terms of responding um you may have seen you know both Adrian and I are are doing our very best with regard to um, reaching out to fans and. I don't think it's. Know, I, I don't think it's out of the question or that someone who was so um, ahead of his time with that kind of character. Okay, he you know is not gay, um, but it kind of made things. I mean, it took a while, but it has made things more acceptable because people yep. look. No one can say that Adrian Street isn't awesome just by looking at him, you yep. know, and watching any of his matches and the fact that he is tough in real life as well. And, yep. you know, I think that that has, you know, it's played its part in mm-hmm. making the LGBTQ uh, wrestlers uh, such as Sonny Kiss and AEW and all that kind yep. of thing more socially accepted, to be honest. Like, yep. And I think what people have to remember as well with Adrian, it wasn't just an overnight, um, you know, that he just put on this gown. You know, I won't go into the documentary, but even with the documentary, we've only just scraped the surface. There's a lot of stuff that I, I personally as a filmmaker have 
you know, held back because of things I want to put into the drama as well. But um, some people may re have read it in the books. Um, I know I've had to, I've spoken with Adrian's family members as well um, and Adrian himself. Uh, but this is something that has been over time. It's, it's not just something that he just suddenly became interested in, you know, this whole flamboyant image. Adrian's always been an artist. Yeah. Um, this isn't something, as I say, that it was just a gimmick that came out of nowhere. From he, from the a boy, Adrian has always been in the centre, <laughs> and he'll even tell you this. He is he is an artist in every sense of the word, um, and I think that that's something that a lot of people don't really understand about him. They do see this as just a gimmick. That was just something, and it it wasn't. This is something that is ingrained in Adrian in every aspect. And I think that that is lovely um, that somebody has, you know, he's not afraid to show that he is a very flamboyant character in every sense of the word. And I think, you know, with regard to, you know, you're talking the 1960s and 70s in the UK mm. when he was <laughs> he was dressing up like he was and all of this. <laughs> yes, obviously, there's, there's things that are heightened, uh, you know, for being in well, for the purposes of entertainment for television. However, Adrian literally pushed the boundaries so far um, yeah. beyond what was ever imaginable. And I think that to do that, you know, during a very controversial, well, in a controversial country at the time um, where things weren't accepted, I, you know, that says something about Adrian <laughs> in itself. Uh, I, I you know, and, 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 yeah. and in, as you say, in terms of paving the way for other people now and making it easier, I would like to think that that has helped in, you know, either in one way or another. I really would like to think that there has been some sort of movement in which that, that has helped start things. And it certainly did with the glam rock movement as well. Mm. Like he says in the documentary, as I say, I don't want to try and give away too much, but people may have already read this in his books as well. The likes of, um, he says, Elton John and so on have been inspired by him and his image. Uh, so, you know, there's so many, what's the word? I would say that Adrian's a chameleon, um, but... I'd like to think that, as I say, he's gone on to inspire a, a lot, a lot of people. Um, but this was definitely something that Adrian has been... It's not just something that's just happened overnight. Oh, I, I, his, his, his character development, I mean, it's, it's Adrian epitomises who he is. There is definitely only one Adrian Street. Um, say <laughs> yeah, the word. No. Uh, Do you think there was ever... Uh, did you ever get from him... I, I don't know if you would be the type to be sort of like sort of bitter, but when Adrian Street's lighting up the South in America and mm. just making a name for himself, but then at the same time, WWF introduced adorable Adrian Adonis, mm. um, you know, was the kind, did he ever talk about opportunities that he kind of missed out on because people kind of copied the gimmick, basically? To be honest, I think the way Adrian sees it is that, you know, well, he says it himself. Sincere as form of flattery and all. Yeah. 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 Exactly. He, there is only one Adrian. Um, anything else is inspired by anything else that he did. I, I can't really speak, as I say, for other companies or other, you know, 
people that may have come before Adrian or whoever, but in terms of Adrian and his aesthetic and who he is and, you know, from the music to the costumes to how he made his entrances onto stage, the artwork, everything about Adrian, you know, the, the imitation really is the best form of flattery um, as far as Adrian is concerned. And to be honest with you, I agree with him. And I think that that, once again, is just a testament to who he is. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. I think I'd say it's, it's not just uh, it's not just uh, Dorian's. I'd like to think that it's you know a lot of people have been inspired by Adrian. I think that's only a good thing, really. Uh, absolutely, and I mean again, not going into the the movie itself too much, but mm. Mick Foley uh, does say that in WWE there were characters that WWE tried and. Mick Foley referenced Adrian Street. It was just like, this is Adrian Street. Why don't you go all the way with it instead of trying to mm-hmm. hold back? Because you're worried about how it's going to be perceived when Adrian was, you know, insanely either popular or hated, but he was getting people in the buildings and stuff like that. And yeah. there's um, one of Adrian's managers, uh, who's one of my favourite personalities, Jim Cornette. Um, yeah. he, he tells a story on one of his interviews years ago. It's really funny because uh, <laughs> there's... Um, I think it's it's I think it's the lumberjack strap match that he was in where he just bleeds. He gets he's just looks like he's been ran through a razor blade factory and he's just the blood the blood is everywhere and he needs yeah. to go to a hospital. But Adrian and Linda drag him in the ring and start dancing around him like a maypole, <laughs> which is just like the, the image of that. <laughs> it's, but the thing is as well, like when in. 97 when the Goldust character became more controversial he became the artist formerly known as Goldust Jim Cornette mm-hmm. had an article in uh, the the WWF Raw magazine at the time a full article and if you've never seen this I'll have to send it over to you but it it was called the more things change the more they stay the same and there's a full picture of Adrian next to a full picture of uh, Goldust um, and goes into the history of uh, Adrian Street and everything as well. So, you know, it, 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 people, I, I hope that this film does this, and it does, you know, in my opinion, but, like, I hope that this and everything else going forward really makes people realise how important Adrian is. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think, you know, once again, it's not just about what he did for wrestling, it's pop culture as a whole in the UK and beyond Um, and I'd like to think that there's going to be others out there that can watch this who aren't wrestling fans who are literally you know they'll come away from it and feel inspired that as I say anything like in life is possible if you just put your mind to it um, you, you just know. need to see a picture of Adrian on uh, Google Play or whatever on the thumbnail, and you're just going to be like, "What is this? Like this yes. looks <laughs> so interesting." Even if you know nothing at all, just the name of the um, the name of the type the the movie, um, you know that will that will completely draw you in. Um, with with WWE, did it surprise you that they made a small documentary on Adrian at the same time, and did that hinder things? <laughs> To be honest with you, we'd completed our production um, in May. Well, no, we completed our production in April um, and we had our first public screening in May. um, And we were fortunate that uh, WWE were aware of our production as well. um, And some of the wrestlers came along to the screening as well, which is really nice. Mm. Um, And to be honest with you, I I can only focus on our production. um, 
I'm I've made this production pretty much as I say with a very very small team. <laughs> I feel so small I can count them on one hand. Um, so for me, the, my, the my credits entire... weren't the credits weren't long at the end. <laughs> no, no, the uh, as I say, all my my energy and you know it's it's one of those where my energy really has been just focused into our production and making sure that our production is put out there for everyone to see. And as an independent filmmaker, I didn't work for any kind of major corporation or anything like that. Um, It's it's a lot harder to try and get something out there for the world to see. Um, As I say, this isn't just like something that just happened overnight. This has been a lot of planning. Um, So for me, it's it's been more about just trying to focus on that than anything else. Um, Well, not that WWE could have, but it's nice that they didn't, even remotely try and get in your way with this or you know even if the 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 project was finished before theirs was finished you know because i I, i've seen things of you know the the bigger company try and you know squash the little man basically um and it it is it's really nice that and to be honest and it is the the wwe network documentary is good but it's very very short so i would treat it as like just a taster for what yeah. this uh, documentary is, because again, the amount of um, the amount of research, the amount of amazing photographs that I've never seen before, um, some really cool footage, all of the great music as well. It, it's it's just such a a lovely, positive, wild documentary about this just crazy character. Um, yeah. That that really does have to be seen to be believed, and I know we're giving it the hard sell. <laughs> but, you know, like, but you know, if you're a wrestling fan, especially if you're a British wrestling fan, you have to see it. I mean, it's just yeah. it's believable. And even if you're a fan of, you know, Mick Foley, you, you know, to see Foley talk so passionately about what Adrian meant to him, I think is worth watching as well because, yeah. you know, he couldn't have been more um, strong in his you know, conviction talking about, uh, about Adrian and, um, yes, I mean, was, was it, did you have people wanting to jump on this documentary for interviews or did you have to sort of reach out? Uh, to be honest with you, um, Mick came to me, which was lovely. Um, Mm. so as I say, there's just so much in this documentary that I would have liked to have added, um, but having to try and condense something down to like only, well, just over an hour and 10, I think it's an hour and, uh, sorry, 72 minutes in total. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it was pretty hard going, but yeah, Mick, uh, reached out to me, uh, predominantly not just because, you know, Adrian and, uh, Linda were mixed or are mixed friends, uh, but Adrian actually taught Mick, um, a lot of, his wrestling moves and a lot about the wrestling game when he was younger, um, as well as many others with his, um, uh, his skull crushes, uh, wrestling school that he had. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so there's just, there's, there's so many, as I say, there's so many stories and, um, other bits and pieces that I really wanted to include, but just wasn't able to. So the fact that we were able to have Mick involved, um, was wonderful as i say he he reached out to us he really wanted to be part of it and likewise so did everybody else as well so <laughs> it's uh it, it, it wasn't hard to sort of uh as i say to coax people to get in front of the camera <laughs> uh to 
um, <laughs> <laughs> to uh, have a chat about Adrian. Uh, the thing is, I'm as well, sure that so uh, there was a few other people that we could have <laughs> we yeah. could have interviewed along the way, but uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those where we had to kind of sort of put a stop <laughs> at some point <laughs> so and we draw the line <laughs> the thing is as well they're not none of the people that you interview are trying to put themselves over as well they are just full of just love and admiration for yeah. adrian um yeah. whether you had to cut out the putting themselves over or not <laughs> that might be <laughs> no, a different thing. <laughs> to be honest with you i've got the, the we've got hours and hours and hours of footage and not one person talks about themselves that's genuine hand on heart everybody is in, in this production because they want to be part of it and that's you know as a filmmaker you can wish for more um because it is then a true account of adrian's life um you know i i if people didn't believe me i could show them you know hours of footage as i say of people just talking and talking and talking and it's literally it's just even with mick there was just so much there's just so much that i wish i could have included but you know maybe we'll save that for another time shall we did covid hinder your plans for how you wanted to release the film it, yeah, it did a little bit. Um, we were hoping to have had this out earlier in the year. Um, but as we all know, a wonderful worldwide virus uh, hit <laughs> us all and uh, scuppered plans for many would it, of us. So, would, uh, <laughs> it, would, it, would it have hit cinemas, like independent cinemas? Or? Um, to be honest with you, it's one of those I wanted to try and get it out there as soon as possible. Okay. Um, so a theatrical release would have been nice, but then realistically with everything that's going on and the way that the the film industry is changing in terms of how people are viewing productions these days. Um, for me, it was more important to be able just to get it out there. Um, it's something that the fans have been waiting for for a very long time. Um, so I was very aware of that as well. Um, so yeah, it's a, the filmmaking game is a, is a totally different ball game in its own right. And I think making this production as well, um, I probably could have written a book on, <laughs> how we got to where we are today to be honest with you um so yeah but you know it's one of those i'm I'm just glad that people are now able to view it um you know let's say about a year after <laughs> mm. eventually after we had our first screening thanks to this virus it would have been earlier but things happen we work around it <laughs> yeah because that, that was the thing i immediately noticed i was like well mick's hair is a little grayer now than it was in, yeah, in the yeah yeah it's uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah you could say that maybe i don't know because he uh, he's also father christmas as well so uh this maybe is he's preparing ready for uh, winter <laughs> i've got to say as well when you talk about adrian being an artist and this really is a part of him um mm. the first scene where he stood outside uh talking he's wearing a wonderful fur jacket um yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i mean yeah. is his wardrobe just is that it is that just kind of what his wardrobe uh, is generally adrian as i say epitomizes adrian <laughs> he is adrian streets every single day mm-hmm. that's all i can say if anybody thinks <laughs> that this is just something that is just no it's it's not a put on this this is adrian streets the man that you see is who he is um and I think that's really wonderful um, in every sense of the word. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. So yeah, that fit that fur jacket is uh, has been worn a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so when when um, you are entering this world of Adrian Street and Linda, um, mm-hmm. obviously very welcoming people, but at the same time they seem very no nonsense um, yep. in their approach as well. So. 
um, I'm guessing, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about that you were sort of accepted into their world sort of thing, but was, I can imagine the house just being the most colourful rand because, I mean, she, Linda also makes uh, costumes as well, so I can imagine just material just everywhere, just kind of yeah. like a, a real sort of studio kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what it was like? As I, as I say, they are, if you can imagine an artist um at work every day that's adrian and linda as well both of them are um incredible people and there's there's stories behind every piece of artwork there's stories behind every costume it's um yeah as i say it would barely scrape the surface i think to be honest with you there's definitely there could be another <laughs> sequel made out of this documentary that just goes into adrian the artist um as i say the painter or the musician um but yeah, he, his his house is as colourful as he is, um, <laughs> and it's it's nice because I say it's it is him. There's yeah. nothing about Adrian and his world that is he he is who he is, um, and I think that that's great. Um, you know, anything else that people may think that as I say that is is put on is really it's really not. <laughs> um, the the thing after watching the movie as well, and especially watching uh, Linda's interviews, is now I really want the Adrian Street albums on vinyl, because um, <laughs> like she was, it was good product placement. Like these need to be re-released. I th- I'm almost certain. Yeah. I mean, does he talk about his, um, is like for stuff that wasn't in the documentary or whatever in terms of his music, because mm. um, you you go massively into it as well. And you you. you yeah chat to his collaborators and everything and i'm so glad you did because that is such an important part of what adrian street was um does he talk about i mean could we see these on itunes anytime soon that would be wonderful like that's something you'd have to ask adrian (laughs) (laughs) producer um I, I stick to the filmmaking. <laughs> I, I make the moving pictures. No, I, I think that's something that um, the fans will have to reach out and ask Adrian and his uh, music producer about. Um, I, believe they, I believe they were released on... I can't remember who they were with now, but I believe they were released... Um, I can't remember where now. They were, they were, re- they were re- re-released not that long ago in comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the vinyl would be tremendous. Okay, yeah, now I'm not saying we should. Definitely one for all, the fans. <laughs> well, the thing, I'm not saying we should all bombard Adrian's uh, inbox at this point, but um, <laughs> we, should, we should definitely start a petition to get some of this music out there because it is, it's all in character and it's just it's wonder and and really really catchy. That's the thing. Like yep, there is yep. there is a musical substance to it as well. Like he sings in harmonies and you know yep. um, in terms of like his. Does he rate himself as a singer? Or... To be honest with you, as I say, Adrian is everything that he... he, <laughs> he, he he's the singer, he's an artist, he is an entertainer, he is ev- ev- everything, everything. Mm. Um, he's He's got his own mind and that's, you know, he follows that and that's what he does. So, um, yeah, I, I do think there should be some kind of campaign, I think, to get his music back out there particularly with the sort of music that we hear this day and age. 
with the <laughs> that's I being <agree>. released. <laughs> and if it's of anything, I've, I've you know since making the film, I've got a number of his tracks that are linked <laughs> onto my phone at the moment. So every time I go in my car, yeah, you'll hear me singing along to uh, Breaking Bones and so on and so forth, which is uh, yes, <laughs> sweet <laughs> transvestite from Broken Nose and stuff you, like that. You know, yeah, you'd be surprised when I'm at the traffic lights and what goes on and what other people may hear coming out of my car. So. <laughs> Uh, wonderful. So um, just to kind of um, to tie up a few uh, things in terms of uh, your background as well. So you didn't necessarily get a formal education in media training. You, you went straight into work placement because I I wanted to get into radio like a long time ago. And um, the only kind of avenues to remotely begin to learn was to do media courses and stuff. But they were so... Um, I'm trying to think the word technology was moving so quickly that the, yeah. the equipment that you were learning on just wasn't relevant anymore. And then by the time, you, OK, you may have a foundation degree or whatever, but it was kind of useless because you yeah. weren't doing anything in the real world. So was that? Well, I, I say I started when I was 15, but it was, you know, when I was in school, the, it's mandatory that you go on a work placement. Um, well, it was when I was uh, That's right. I, in, I went in to... secondary school so it was uh it was one of those so on the, the tops of my list was going to tv because i really wanted to go into animation at the time that was kind of my goal but as you say technology was moving so rapidly uh, you know we were going from celluloid and you know just cell drawing animation to digital um that was the new thing uh, and for me you know i i still like the classic disney hand-drawn animations as it were so there was a bit of a, a disappointment to say the least to a 15 year old who'd had their heart set on wanted to be an animator uh, and to work in tv but yeah so that was kind of how it started and then um I went to college just like many of us do I did my a-levels um media studies was one of those along with art graphics and I just can't even remember what I studied now <laughs> <laughs> art graphics textiles media studies there's four, three, COVID, four. Anyway, stay, staying in the house during COVID yeah. has made me forget what day it is. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I don't even know what day of the week it is. No, what, what year are we in? 2020 still? Oh, really? <laughs> so, <no. laughs> um, so yeah, so that as I say, then I went on another work placement with the same television company uh, when I was in college. Um, being the type of person that I was, I was keen to go back. Um, <laughs> and then we hit recession, uh, unfortunately, in in the uh, late 2000s and I think it was like 2007 uh, when things were changing from apprenticeships into going to university. So universities were really pushed on a lot of us at the time. So film studies back then was quite new. Um, so I went to university in London to study film, um, not practical film, film studies, um, practical film as part of the course. Um, and I pretty much from my first year decided that I wanted to be a film director. So, <laughs> so it was in my mind, what I was back then was pretty much what I wanted to be. Um, I had my head set on it, as I say, from, from a young age, it wasn't something that I just kind of fell into. Um, I was trying to freelance, um, from the age of 17, I'd actually managed to, I don't know what I was doing, but with the technology department where they used to hire out the camera kits and sound kits and everything, I used to take those out on a regular basis just to go off and shoot outside of my studies, um, you know, just odd jobs here and there, just to try and get involved with different companies and different things that were going on. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been pretty much with the camera in hand for as long as I can remember, really, every day. 
So it's something I eat, sleep and breathe. You have to eat, sleep and breathe it just from personal experience and, and yeah. friends who also did media studies and then kind of, uh, to be honest, uh, you know, it being being from Newcastle and the kind of like things we were taught and things that were going out of date pretty quickly and all that kind of thing, it drove a lot of yeah. people away and there was those who stuck at it, ended up working for BBC, etc. And you have shown that, you know, sticking with it has yeah. been I, I very, think, very worthwhile. And, I uh, I, but the, also because you want to do it. A lot of students just, these know. days, they'll, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of students these days, they go into courses thinking that they'll come out of it with a job. Yeah. And unfortunately, the entertainment business doesn't work like that. You've got to graft. It's a lot of grafting. And unless you put in the time, um, you know, it's down to you, really, whatever you want to get out of life. And that's the same for anything. Whatever it is that you want to achieve, it's down to you ultimately to make that happen. No one's going to hand it to you on a plate. And I think for me, I learned that the hard way very early on with what I was doing. Um, so for me, it was more than just focusing on my studies. It was also dedicating myself to like, um, getting myself out there, getting my name known, working hard, um, not partying, <laughs> far from partying. Um, it was a, just, you see that some of the some of the stuff that students do these days, I'm just like, gosh, I, I no, <laughs> really, um, no, it's it was it far, far, far from that. Um, you know, and it, a lot of it was getting as much work placements as possible. It was, you know, working for peanuts quite literally um that's no new thing even in this day and age um you know it's 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 a lot of hard work and i think for me it was and it still is it's a case of um being committed wholeheartedly to what it is that you want to do and i think as i say that's kind of partly as well why i resonated with adrian's story is because he independently went out and did what he wanted to do and he had to do it that way he had to make a point and going out there and to, you know, really show who he was to the world. He had nobody else to help him do that, only him. And likewise, it's been exactly the same for me. You know, yes, I could go off and work for another company. Yes, I could, you know, dabble in this and that. However, if I want to, you know, put myself out there on a world platform, the only person who's going to be able to do that as a filmmaker is me. Um, so it's down to me to find these stories. It's down to me to kind of put in the time. Um, it's not down to anybody else. Nobody else is going to sort of give this to me. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's one of those every day I'm waking up and there's something, there's always something, which is a good thing because I love it. And I think that's ultimately, as I say, the same for anything in life. If you, if you want to do something, you just got to commit yourself in with everything that you do to that. And, uh, yeah. I don't Putting think I can time. add. Yeah, I don't think I can add anything more to that. That's uh, that's wonderful, and there's certainly the love and the passion, um, and just like I said, the attention to detail and just how fun. That's the thing as well. Yeah. This documentary is so fun. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun to make. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely, it definitely comes through. Um, and um, so, where where can people uh, find your other work? Where can people find you if they want to contact you or find the Adrian pages, etc.? There'll be links below the show as well. Um, the easiest one at the moment for the Adrian um, production, I say, I've, I've tried to. It wasn't meant to have like a dedicated page, so the the Adrian documentary can be found on our, our Facebook page, just titled Adrian Adrian Film, I think it is, and likewise on Twitter. 
Um, we also have a website which we're still working on. I'm not the best web developer in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but we do have a website called uh, exoticadrianstory.com, which is dedicated for the documentary specifically. Um, and then there's a website for myself then, which is just joannrandalls.com. Um, and yeah, you can find out about me on there. <laughs> Wonderful. So... A Joanne Randall's documentary, The Incredible True Story of a Wrestling Pioneer. You may be pretty, but I am beautiful. The Adrian Stu Story is out now on Google Play, Prime Video, Spectrum, and other platforms coming soon. Um, and that's that's worldwide as well. And uh, yes. it's not at the moment, though, is it? There's certain countries that are... There's a couple of countries only because of just the platform regulations and changes and so on. But the majority, it's, it's out there. Um, we're working on the other ones as well. So we'll keep everybody posted as and when um, those changes are available, as I say. And we're hoping for DVDs as well later oh, on this year. So, yeah, that's so what I was going to ask. Okay. <laughs> we'll try and not leave everybody out. I'm, I'm thinking about stuff all the time. Yeah, so I'm on it. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. I love everything about it. Right. Okay. Well, thank you, Joanne. Um, and we will talk soon. When the DVD's out, hopefully maybe a part two. Fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Thank you very much. No problem. No problem.